Welcome to Beyond the Cave, where we pair up our artists, authors, and fans to discuss deeper themes behind our series. Hey guys, we are so excited to introduce to you today Jack Balliard. Um, Jack is a musical composer and he voluntarily reached out to us and um, had come up with some musical compositions to go alongside our graphic novel, The Light Princess. And uh, he just did an amazing job and it really enhances the reading experience to listen to the music along with it. And so get out your own versions of The Light Princess and be sure to follow along. And here we go. Enjoy. Well, uh, first off, Jack, this is just, this is great. Um, uh, this is a, a, you know, this is a very rare thing where you'd have a, a cross-medium uh, platform, you know, a cross-platform, cross-medium experiment uh, with putting music to a comic book. That's, a, that, that's really awesome. And uh, I just, right out the gate, man, I just want to say it, uh, it, it takes someone thinking outside of where everyone else is going to even do this <laughs> So I just, I just wanted to first off, just almost congratulate you for that. That, that was pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be here. And I, I appreciate that more than you know. Um, one of the things that drives some of my colleagues nuts is the fact that I, as they said, I don't think that there's even a box. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Outside. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, where else are you going to get any kind of uh, anything new if, if you don't actually go out and actually explore the new you know this is right yeah that's amazing you know ironically um the people that usually are the most uh um against people leaving the box are usually the same people that venerate the people that are outside of the box <laughs> right i understand that well <laughs> i think what's funny about this is, as much as anything is i'm even though a uh, graphic novel is a very recent medium I'm actually kind of reconstituting something that's been around for a couple hundred years. Yeah, go into detail. Talk about well, there's a thing in the 19th century and since that was called incidental music. And basically that's music that was written to um, accompany a play or a story or sometimes even a vague idea or concept. Uh, it wasn't necessarily linear. Um, it wasn't even sometimes symbolic, but especially over the last 200 years and even beyond, they, there have been composers that have been inspired by a certain concept or story and then just written something that was meant to suggest it. Uh, probably two of the best examples that come to mind are uh, the Romeo and Juliet Overture by Tchaikovsky and um, 12 Overture, even though themes represent something or maybe implied by something, it's more of a feeling or more of a concept that's supposed to go actually with a story. Sometimes it was commissioned by the producers of a ballet or a, um, or a play to accompany it, you know, um, like an overture or walking music or uh, interact or something like that. But often it's also just hey, this is a great idea. I'm going to write something on it. And that's kind of where I came from with this. Wow. Wow. I, I, I've never actually slowed down and thought about incidental music before. Like yeah. something to accompany something to accompany a plot instead of, instead of something being derived from the music itself to be inferred. 
That's really right. amazing. Right. So the nice thing is, um, is especially in this case where uh, it was strictly inspiration. I wasn't commissioned to do this. This um, was not, uh, from what everybody says, even remotely connected to Cape Publishing. Um, but it was something I saw on one of their marketing uh, things where I had a chance to see some of the artwork they were doing and I was introduced to the company and went, wow, this is really cool the way they've done this particular story. And I'm a, I'm a George McDonald fan. So, wow, that's a great take on this. And so it kind of went from yeah, there. Yeah, so beautiful. I love the book. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah, this is actually my... Um, my introduction into cave publishing that's how that's how i became a fan same here actually yeah 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 I, in fact I, the, the second i saw george mcdonald <laughs> in my bookstore i was like okay what's happening right now yeah and so i picked it up and I, do they have more of these because it was it was issue number yes there they have a one and three i'm like you need to order me one and three right yeah. right it was great I, I didn't i didn't dare open up two without reading the beginning you know i didn't i didn't want to know how where that came in, yeah. you know, I wanted to start from the beginning. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. It's very well, fun. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing Fantastics as well. Me too. It, yeah, me too. Again, I've read a story and I just, I mean, like the little teasers that Cave Publishing has put out on their website uh, for this. And I'm looking really forward to seeing what their take is on it. It's a one story and it's very, thing. there are two things that George McDonald did uh, that were so unique to him. Um, one is, well, several things, but he was allegorical. And because he was allegorical, he tended to write great, far beyond uh, a lot of, of where his contemporaries were, or even many people since. Um, some people have called him even the British um, Edgar Allan Poe, except as a Christian, he wrote kind of with that otherworldly thing that had a point rather than just the macabre. Yeah. And so the second thing that I really appreciate in this particular story is his punning. You know, so when he's <laughs> no gravity, yeah. um, of course she floats up, but then she can't cry and she doesn't have a serious moment because yeah. she has no gravity. Yeah. <laughs> All of those things are, you know, yeah. a very funny if you go through uh, The Witch. Make him know it is how, you know, because she's going to make him know it. Yeah, yeah. Know, what her issue is. So all of that funny stuff comes in too. And that, there was the rub actually. This is so funny to me because even though I've read a lot of George McDonald and he is, because this isn't the only book that he puns, you know, like he, 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 he loves that. And what's funny is I totally went French with it. I was like, oh, her name is Make Him Know It. And like, and in reality, it's like, make them know it. That's so funny to me. You're right. That's, yeah. that's I didn't even spot it. That's so hilarious. Wow. <laughs> wow, make well, them know it. That's so funny. Wow. Well, my wife um, does not fully appreciate my punning. She's a little tired of it after 23 years. But I have a tendency to hear plays in words. And yeah. uh, I've always said that aside from the um, self-expression that I think is, is an avenue of grace uh, for the artist. Um, there's this tiny little thing, if you know a lot about a medium where people point to something and say, oh, I see what you did. 
And I think artists live for that moment when somebody can say, yeah, that, I mean, it's like programmers with Easter eggs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A programmer yeah. sticks an Easter egg yeah. and they appreciate the fact that another programmer finds it and opens it. And yeah. it's the same thing with artists. They say, oh, that's great. I see what you did. Yeah. And only a few people might get that. Uh -huh. But that's what makes this whole thing fun in a completely different yeah, like, way. Obviously, Tom Bombadil is J.R.R. Tolkien. If you, if you read Middle Earth, and then the one that he loves, it, 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 he calls her the same things that Tolkien would call his wife, and he just put himself in the story. I just think it's so, and oh. he's immune to everything, you know, it's a, and every sure. who is it? And, and, and J.R. Tolkien and his British, you know, downplay was like, well, sometimes myth just needs mystery, you know, even though he would yeah. talk at length about anything else they asked, you know. Sure, sure. That's just I never thought of it that way. It's so beautiful, so beautiful. Well, um, I, uh, I know we did actually, because, man, I, I would just enjoy talking to you about <laughs> I think we could talk at length about all this stuff. I um I really want to showcase some of the things that we're here to talk really about as primary. Um, sure. Is this music you wrote to this comic? So um I know that was maybe somewhat of a segue there, but at the same time, like I I want to get to this because I know that you and I could do this literally for hours. It seems like the more I talk to you, um, uh, I wanted to explore some of this music that you have. Okay. Um, I think the easiest way uh, to do this is I'll go to some of these um, these pages because that's where I started. That's where I was inspired. Um, just to give an overall concept on this, I started uh, having already read the book, The Light Princess. And there's a certain amount of profundity layered into his children's stories. Um, Absolutely. I mean, he, he had that light end. There's another um, writer that many people are more familiar with that actually got his start through McDonald, and that was uh, Carol, Lewis Carroll. Um, and you, there are whole sections of punning in that. Um, George McDonald actually wrote the letter to the publisher saying, you need to, you need to print this Alice in Wonderland. Wow. And that's how that all got started. So this whole children's thing, I always kind of threw off as kind of being light, you know, um, funny. But yet, the more I read it, the more I started finding profound uh, spiritual and social uh, elements in it. And I felt the same way with the print, Light Princess. Uh -huh. And then I read this and I saw this imagery and it's not the goofy children just for the fun you know, before you go to bedtime story. Uh -huh. um, there's some serious issues here. There are some things that, as McDonald himself said, you know, sigh when you close the book. You know, you're thinking of through everything because there's so much there. Um, so I'm going to share my screen here. And I'll do a window so that you can actually see the direction that I'm going to go with this. Okay. Great. Super. Okay. So the thing is you start with the image and if you've ever been a father, you <laughs> cannot have a real emotional uh, tie to this thing. You know, um, even just talking to the kids up here, they're trying to bring her down. They find that she's been cursed with weightlessness 
from this whole time. And so I couldn't get past the laughter. I mean, the artist did an amazing kind of perspective on this, this whole idea of she doesn't care. She's, I mean, careless in a lot of ways. And so, you know, once you get past any concept here, this idea of everybody's concerned, so there's a certain amount of literally gravity, but she doesn't know any of it and she could care less. So even in this, this whole idea of just complete unmitigated joy. So I wanted that kind of concept throughout this whole idea. So here is the, uh, here's the first one. That cover right there, that's the first, that's the, my very first introduction to cave publishing into this book is that cover right there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, on me. I'm like, okay, whatever this is, that's amazing. And I picked it up and then I saw George McDonald and I was hooked. Exactly. Exactly. So here's the piece itself. see the whole concept kind of again she doesn't care she's above everything and even yeah she put all sorts of ridiculous symbolism in <laughs> you can uh say the flutes above the rest of it but i wanted to dance because i wanted that kind of perspective on um uh you know her just 
for one thing, just doing all sorts of other things and interesting things that, you know, give her the freedom that somehow has some sort of music to it that uh, is not encumbered by anything. But at the same time, there's this concern of her parents and all these kinds of things that kind of give it a, just a little bit of quirkiness. So that was the idea on that one. I loved it. It's a, um, it's, uh, have you seen Mozart or uh, Amadeus? Have you seen the movie yes. Amadeus? Yes. Yes. You know he um, when he's uh, when he's writing like the the th there was this this one moment and he's he's explaining it to the king and he's explaining how the opera's working and 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 how this one person's going to come in and then another person's going to come in and and there and it's a tryst and th this whole thing and he how he's explaining it um, how he put that into music I felt like he he there was a, a very similar place of 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 lightness yes there, you know um and so uh you know lightness and humor like lightness and mirth they, they really go together and exactly uh, i could i could see uh i mean i guess himself like like there's a very um this this there's a her there there's a I wouldn't call it a march because it wasn't a march, but there's a, this place that would almost be very dance danceable in a very old way, um, and it reminded me of of even even when the king when you brought it down when you brought it down to the next phase and he's like how dare you listen into our conversation you know this is a private conversation not how dare you float around it's been eighteen years he's like right. how dare you listen into this this very proper moment you know and 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 you you i think you captured both of them very well at the exact same moment thank I, you yeah that was thank very you good. yeah well and that's what's so fun about this because i'm able to um you know and i'm able to take the inspiration but the inspiration isn't just george mcdonald again the artist did such a good job at kind of capturing that dual meaning of gravity you know that that lighted lightness along with the concern and uh, the imagery was really good. So uh, it's not just a, uh, an inspiration that happens just from reading the book where I have my own images in my head, but where the artist actually generates something. Um, so um, the next one, if I can go on, the, uh, is the swimming one that you mentioned um, earlier. And, uh, this one, I, there's this image that you get. I'll go ahead and share the screen again, and I'll see if I can time it, you know, as we go through it, because that was kind of something you said was kind of fun. And this is the whole concept where the only thing in the story that she finds is uh, really not that frustrating lightness flipping all over the place and, you know, She's even finding it a little annoying if she can think of actually being annoyed by it. Yeah. <laughs> and so suddenly she finds um, in a couple of earlier scenes that she is normal when she's in water. She actually likes to swim. She loves the swimming. Um, and so she takes that and she continues to just swim as much as she can because she can actually feel normal. Um, yeah. And the twist that McDonald's I think does on this is that whole idea is if we had wings, we've always desired to be able to float ourselves, you know, and, and 
be able to fly. And yet she's kind of got the same feeling with the water. So this one's called Swimming Together. Um, I did this uh, kind of a ballad, um, Marvin Hamlish's ballad that he wrote to the movie The Sting a long time ago uh, comes kind of has a similar feel. It's that ragtime feel, that cu Cuban dance ballad kind of feel. And I wanted this to be interactive. This is where they love each other. This is where they really are actually connecting, even though they don't really know it. Suddenly something's come into this girl's life that's other. Yeah. Yeah, um, and just to give the, the, the readers um, a little bit here, um, we, have, uh, we have her finally finding um, grounding. We, she finally finds a place where she actually can have at least some gravity um, in the water. And, um, and we have uh, a man who has uh, left his, his family to search for the love of his life. And he's wandered far and wide and has wandered into this kingdom. And now he thinks that she's drowning. And so he wants to save her. <laughs> Which I think the last thing this girl could do is drown. <laughs> she's yeah. About anything. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so here's swimming.
I see. I love you, that moment. I see. What I absolutely mean. love that moment. <laughs> and I think you captured it perfectly. Absolutely perfect. Thank you. I wanted yeah. that lilting kind of thing. I wanted a ballad, but I wanted it just the opposite of no gravity. I wanted it to have a lightness, like she's found a way suddenly to be um, joyful without being goofy, might be a good way to say it. She's discovered something else. And so I think that's really important. Um, he, yeah. Um, I love when he picks her up and for the first time, like she's already sensed, uh, she already found some way to be, have gravity by herself. Right. Only by herself. And um and just just as the you know, McDonald really understood people. And he really understood the journey of people, each 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 step, each season, each chapter of the heart. Um, right. even, even a even a young girl, you know, she eventually you know, I've I've said this before, um uh, in another uh sphere of influence I have, but um uh the 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 idea that every basically you have you have like a, a young teenage like a, a preteen girl most born across every culture i've ever been in any economic strata eventually she will feel misunderstood right. and alone and i think it's because she's she's actually getting her own identity yeah. and it's and it's unnerving and it's shaking her and so there's that there's that push and pull you know she doesn't yes. want it to happen and oh, so yeah. in one sense i think the lake represents that because george mcdonald was not oblivious to all this and now here comes of her and actually commune with her in marriage and shows her the first time ever in someone else's arms having gravity he picks right. her up and jumps into the very thing that she was already grounded in i George McDonald's just a genius, you know. And I don't know if George McDonald, if he would say that's exactly what I was thinking. But at the same time, there's a lot of depth to that man. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh yeah. You know? Well, uh, one of my favorite books is his um, um, book Lilith, and I first time I read that, I read it. I I got through the first couple chapters and went, "Whoa, there's too much here. I have yeah. to read it just like a story." And I got to the end and then I went right back to the beginning and read it again yeah. because I started seeing all of these principles and all of these things and all of these symbols. Yeah. And it's pretty deep stuff. It really is, um, especially if you know any of the background. Um, I'm going to share the screen again because I want to show you that exact moment that you point out. And that is... Right here. And you can see it. Yeah. Okay. And one of the things the artist did such an amazing job with is this one spot that um, the writer and the artist kind of come together and say, this is the moment. You know, the, the classic love story where you see where your eyes meet across the dance floor, as it were, the, the uh, West Side Story high school moment you know, yeah. dance. And this is the moment here where, which pretty much inspired a great deal of this particular movement because of that sudden realization she has when she looks into his eyes and vice versa. Absolutely. And what a, what a, um, even what a striking image, even the colors chosen, what not to put in there, what to put in. 
she, the, the artist could have easily put in landscape behind, but nothing right. like this but each other. Exactly. It's so beautiful. Uh, I'm going to go to um, the next one. Okay. Um, if, if you're good with that. Oh, yeah. Um, this is Make Him Know It, The Witch, is what it's called. And there are two reasons why I, I kind of did this, um, this section. Okay, so if you look at the bottom here, you got the cat, who is, of course, the witch. Now, one of the things I really did want to do is portray her, not her, just her creepiness, but, you know, somehow, how can, you know, this girl be the sister of the king who's noble and misguided sometimes, but at least has a great heart. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, um, she's very passionate here. Okay. I mean, it's like she just loses it because she can't stand happiness to her brother or anybody connected. So this is Make Him Know It, The Witch. that's when they find that the lake is dying yeah yeah you know the um right out the bat if i may um it it sounds like who she is in the book as well yes and what's funny for me is is um when i read the book my thought was oh she's kind of this goofy yeah <laughs> 
uh, I can't think, I mean, just some of the fairy tale evil, which is not really evil, just, oh yeah, they're the bad guy because there has to be a bad guy, but they're stupid and they're yeah, yeah. incompetent. No, and she's eccentric. Yeah, in this case, yeah. the artist portrayer is a great deal more malicious than I had originally get because I'm thinking children's story. And yeah. yet in this case, it's more, definitely more malicious. Yeah, in the book, um, it was much more about what George MacDonald would understand to be real evil, which is um, someone who could just be poisoned with vanity. But the rest right. would, would still be justification that they're good to themselves. Right. You know, right. Vanity is what's creating all this evil, but, uh, but they only look at all the other parts of their life and it's okay instead of just everything around them being dark and evil all the time, it would be you know, really hard to justify. You know? Right, right. Um, I'm gonna play uh, trading, I call this um, trading the prince for water. Um, I had a hard time and I probably won't settle, excuse me, on that particular um, title. Uh, can, I, but, can I make one more um, comment sure. about, about Make Them Know It? Um, yeah. Even though that's your name is Mecham Noir, it's so funny to me. Um, uh, yeah, um, I just want to say, like, who, like, the, I think you really captured her personal experience. Like, what her internals would probably feel like, even to her, in these moments. And I, I, right. I just, you really drew us into her actual experience. I just think that's really beautiful. I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, in this case, in this, this is um, the moment where, again, the prince has volunteered to give his life for the sake of the lake. Uh, yeah. And the only way to do it is for him to offer himself as the plug, as it were, through which the lake is draining. And it's the only way to break the curse. And he has come to this conclusion because he reasons that, well, if I'm alive, and she's dead, life is not worth living. Because um, the artist in this case, um, kind of, I think, uh, made more intense McDonald's assertion that um, the lake and the princess are one. And this comes from old Arthurian legend, you know, where the king and the land are one. And yes. only the Holy Grail can revitalize the king and can revitalize the land. And he takes that same kind of concept in this case, where the lake and the princess are the same. Um, and so it's not just a matter of her pining away for the lake, but he also brings out the whole idea of water as life. Um, he talks about the babies not being able to cry. Um, he talks about there being no rain. Every spring, you know, is dry, as the writer says. Um, so I made this section sad, but then you'll hear some really kind of twisted things here and there that just kind of should bother you because she's starting to realize that, okay, it's sad, bummer, but I get my leg. And yet it develops into, yes, it's a bummer. Wait a sec. I really love this guy and he's going to die. And what am I going to do? So,
Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I'm not into flattery, but I do want to say a great job, man. <laughs> really great job. It, it, it fit absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Let, wow. You know, as I said, the, the artist did such a stupendous job portraying these things and uh, the storyboard layout, for lack of a better term. Um, I like the way they integrated uh, some of the pictures into each other and where it doesn't necessarily become sequential, sequential, but it actually kind of has an overall concept yeah. as you're going through the scene. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, it's a very innovative way of doing that. Um, uh -huh. One of the other things that struck me is uh, the, uh, the type of uh, handwritten font they use. They really did change the expression and the way it was delivered. So you could, you could hear somebody saying it one way or another without using the, the usual campy comic strip kind of stuff. I mean, it goes beyond that, which originally was kind of odd to me. And then the more I read it, the more I thought, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. No, this is really cool. So I'm going to play one more. The last one, um, I'm going to skip a couple because they're all part of this same last thing called the Light Princess. Uh, and it's about the lake is saved, a uh, girl with the violet eyes. And the last one, Redemption and Love. So I'm going to play Redemption and Love at this point. And I think it'll kind of wrap up things. And it, and it integrates with the other ones as well. So it'll give you kind of a, a concept. This is great, Jack. This is absolutely great. <laughs> it's fun. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah.
So one of the things, one of the things I've noticed um, about my own writing is a lot of people end with a big bang and the audience applause, you know, ping. Yeah, and, yeah. and yet so much, so many of my pieces I find are, um, again, back to where, what George MacDonald actually said at the end of one of his books, he said, uh, close, close enough, he said something to the effect of, I have written more than enough for people who just think with their foreheads or for those who sigh as they close the book. So are you really thinking about what you wrote? Are you understanding all of the concepts that he had, all the symbols, all of the things? Yeah. Is it, you know, as Kierkegaard said, is it bringing something in your innermost being to be aware of something that is way beyond yourself? And uh, not to get too ridiculously philosophical on that, but most of my pieces tend to be Oh, what's going to happen now? Yeah, you know, like in make them know it, or with these other things, ends up being something to the effect of, um, well, God has kind of settled things out. Mm -hmm. The story has a happy ending. Yes, and therefore, it doesn't need a big bang. It it kind of settles into, okay, yeah. everything is good now. So maybe that's just the way I write. It's so good. Even that big boom, you know, when Make Him Know It dies, you know, her, her abode is destroyed by the very thing that she, you know, I, right. I, that, that moment where there isn't a, you know, and, and some, some uh, almost deserving uh, crescendo, you know, right. Toms and horns, you know, um, you know, I, I think, um, the, the beauty of this is that her actually being destroyed in this process is part of the peace gaining. Yeah. Instead well, of having to have her own moments that like they would do in modern cinema and they'd have to make this, this little, they'd have to remove themselves from the, the gaining piece just to, so she could have her moment. And instead she doesn't get a moment. This right. is part of the piece that's just, assuaging you know this this piece that's just flooding and then just it just it's almost incidental that she is also destroyed in it i i um i love it that there's only one frame in in the in this adaptation and that what you chose musically to to portray everything that's happening there isn't even an incident that would say yes and now um make him know it has this huge end it's right. like it's almost an afterthought which well, one one of the things i think that is really interesting about this um now that you mention it is this idea of there's no vind vindictiveness yes there's exactly. no vindication as or justice um put out by the um by the king for example it's not yeah. like he's getting his sword and going and executing her uh, but this is strictly a result of her own evil, just a natural consequence of um, fixing the curse. Yeah. The yes. curse is fixed, and therefore, it is her end. Yeah. And, you know, so, um, it's a different. Go ahead. I would go, the, I would go, I would go down that exact road and say, even if he had to go with his sword and end, um, I think the, uh, you know, the, 
the modern cinematic or literary narrative would be, well, we all have some evil in us. You know, right. you know, the Bible says don't kill. No, it says don't murder. Um, right. And it's a, there, there's this, this place where there is, no there is no vindictive or hatred as much as it's actually you stay in a place of peace and in a place of, of what, would, what modernity would be illegalized at this point, where it's actually like, you, I can take care of this evil without hating it. I can actually take care of it without ever having to go to an evil place in my heart. If, if the only option the evil is handing me is end me or I end innocence, that it, right. it, it, there's no choice, that the, the choice is already made, you know? Right, well, there's another, there's also what C.S. Lewis mentioned, um, and that is evil ultimately is so insignificant that it cannot affect good. Yeah. It, had, it does not have the capability of it because it will be swallowed up in good. Yes, so. swallowed in glory, man, absolutely, absolutely. So good. Man, Jack, this has been an incredible conversation. This has been fun, very fun. Awesome. Well, Jack, Brian, thank you so much. That was just an incredible, um, an incredible podcast and something that I know that, uh, Jack, I'll just, I'll be continuing to listen to your compositions on my own. And, um, for, for all of our listeners out there, uh, be sure to check out our social media or our website to get the link so you can continue to listen to all of Jack's compositions that go along with the light princess. Um, we know that they will just be a huge blessing to you. And so enjoy and Thanks again. Guys. Thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe. For more, follow us on Instagram at Cave Publishing. And if you're interested in coming on our show and talking about one of our series, please DM us on social media or send an email to info at cavepicturespublishing.com. <laughs>